Where do you go? The address. 66 Harborview Road. Hello, hello, and welcome to 66 Harborview Road, a podcast dedicated to ABC's General Hospital. I'm your host, Caitlin, and in today's episode, we are discussing the week of October 10th through 14th. Now, Thursday's episode was preempted, giving us just four episodes this week. We had Brando's funeral. Nina ended up planning it, I guess, instead of Maxie. So I suppose Nina and Olivia, like, kind of worked together, kind of not. I mean, the same thing would have happened if Carly was still co-owner, but it is customary to thank the people who set up the event you're at. Milo walk-in shortly after, followed by Maxie with Dante and Sam. I thought Sam talking about Brando was a little out of place. I mean, he was Dante's blood relative. I felt like he should have said more. I don't know. That could have just been me. Gladys and Sasha walk in with Olivia, and Olivia continues to say how beautiful the reception is. Dante catches up with Michael and asks if he's all right, because Michael has the most disgusted look on his face. Michael asks Dante about the investigation into Dex and then tells him about what Sonny was going to do to him. Dante just kind of looks at him like, okay, can we table this? (laughs) Something about their relationship is changing. I can't put my finger on it, but I can see that Dante is starting to look at Michael as an annoying little brother more than a brother who's also a friend. Dante then goes to check things out with Dex. Meanwhile, Jocelyn is knocking on Dex's door asking why he isn't at GH to tend to his wounds. She helps him button his shirt and he is gazing at her. I was like, sir, can you please stop looking at Jocelyn? (laughs) So they discuss Sonny and Joss is telling him to quit while he's ahead. And he's saying he doesn't want to leave Sonny's organization. Very typical GH couple argument. Oh, wait they're not a couple. (laughs) Oops. So Jocelyn leaves his apartment disappointed that Dex would still want to work for Sunny after all of this. And then Dante shows up. He goes to Dex with questions. And Dex is playing the Jason card. The whole, I don't know, I don't know. Should I get a lawyer? I have no comment. Basically, Dex is denying everything Michael told Dante. Back at the funeral, TJ hands Willow a club soda, and Nina walks by, makes a face, and it just boils me up inside. Willow tells TJ that Nina thinks they're having an affair, and I was a little surprised because Willow has been keeping so many secrets lately, but since TJ knows about her cancer, she can speak freely around him. And Michael is too fixed on his vendetta against Sunny that he's not even paying attention to Willow. So TJ is shocked by this news and he's not happy about it. Willow is kind of brushing it off because she knows what's going on and she's just telling TJ more like a courtesy rather than a we need to do something about this. Sonny then makes a toast in honor of Brando and he sits with Gladys. Gladys talks about the second chance she got with Brando but it's time for her to leave Port Charles. Sunny tells her she needs to stay to have Sasha to grieve with her and be surrounded by family. Sunny then tells her about how Brando used to come to him for advice, and the conversation ends with letting her know she'll always be family. It was really sweet, and Sunny is feeling guilty for all the mistakes he's made. But what's the alternative? 
If Sunny leaves the mob, Port Charles will be overrun by Selena Wu and whatever she wants, which we still have no idea what that is. It also leaves room for other families to take over and possibly run drugs through Port Charles, which would devastate the town. A life behind bars, Sonny will most likely be surrounded by his enemies or friends of his enemies. And then leaving the country, it's unfortunate the mob hole that Sonny has dug in Port Charles, but he's dug it and it's there and it can't be filled in by anyone but Sonny. Mobster with a heart of gold is what his, you know, tagline was for so many years. And then after all of that, okay, so Sonny's in jail, or Sonny permanently left the country. So then what? Michael gets to say, that's what he gets for hurting my mommy and disappointing all of us? Michael, you're 30 years old, I think. (laughs) After the toast, Sasha and Willow get a chance to talk, and Sasha says Willow's life is perfect, and Willow gets super awkward. She tries to tell her that not everything is smooth sailing, And this is the first time Willow is lying directly about her situation. Sasha straight up asks, is everything okay with the baby and is everything okay with you? Willow says she's fine. A lie. Their friendship is really cute, but man, I wish Willow would tell someone what is going on. TJ, Britt, and Terry can't be the only ones who know because they're all sworn to doctor-patient confidentiality. But this is also when we see TJ walk up to Nina and get messy. TJ, I like it. So TJ gets in her face and says, why would you assume that me and Willow are having an affair? And he's not like nice about this. (laughs) It's great to see this side of TJ. I love it. A moment later, Gladys thanks Nina for the funeral and tells Sunny there is no forever to make up with Michael and really encourages Sunny to talk to Michael. Willow and TJ walk up beside Michael and make a small scene to Nina about TJ driving Willow home. (laughs) I kind of liked it. It was good soapiness. Sonny then asks Nina to step away while he talks to Michael, the sourpuss, (laughs) and says he wants to make things right no matter what it takes. And Michael chuckles at him, laughs at him, whatever. I didn't like that. I, I Like, Sonny was very emotional, even though I've been mad at him for so long. But I like he said, you got to meet him halfway. So Michael just says, it's too late. You're too far removed from who you used to be. But Michael cannot look Sonny in the eye. Oh, and we get another Morgan mention. Please bring back Morgan but make it messy. Like, no amnesia. Maybe that West Coast family has been helping him, and he's been keeping watch over everything going on in Port Charles, has his own thoughts and feelings about everything. I mean, it's been almost five years since that car explosion. So Sonny is pleading with Michael to meet him halfway, and Michael starts to get emotional. He even calls him dad, but also says the way Sonny's been acting since his return from Nixon Falls is just not okay. How he should have just forgot about Nina and focused on the family. Sonny then pulls out the big emotional guns and says, what if Wiley was doing this to you? Then Nina walked in and ruined the whole moment. Like as soon as she walked in, the air got thick and Michael just (laughs) angry eyebrows. (laughs) So Michael again says with foolishness that Sonny turned his back on his honor code and his family. So they begin to yell at each other. This is when Dante walks back in from visiting Dex's apartment, and he's refereeing now. (laughs) But he tells Michael that Dex told him it was all a lie, and this vendetta against Sunny has to stop. 
Then he gets the call about Oz being attacked and killed and has to go. Michael dips out of there and Sonny is like emotionally defeated. Nina is all scared saying, what are we going to do? Sonny says we're going to beef up security and he heads straight to his restaurant. I guess the restaurant's the only business he has with Michael cutting him off from other resources. Michael ran to Dex's apartment and makes a scene for the neighbors, but apparently all is going according to plan. Michael is still encouraging Dex to walk away from it all, but Dex says, I mean, are you sure you want to put a wedge between your siblings? Michael says, so be it. And then Dex tells him that Joss feels the need to protect him. And Michael says, well, you better act like you don't need protecting. (laughs) I mean, is Dex going to ever come clean that he's been crushing on Jocelyn since the day he saw her, met her, whatever? (laughs) Like, come on. So we're setting up the typical girl next door falls for one of Sonny's thugs. I mean, we've seen it multiple times, but how will they make this different? Or will they at all? Jocelyn missed Brando's funeral from being at Dex's, so she's at Kelly's now making out with Cameron. (laughs) I really miss Cameron, but apparently they text thousands of times a day behind the scenes. (laughs) Cam brings up that they haven't hooked up since their first time, and Joss says, well, I'm having trouble getting past what Esme did, but I still feel just as close to you. Do you when you're running to be by Dex's side all the time? Ugh, that, that is so annoying to me. But a minute later, Michael walks into Kelly's and updates Jocelyn on how Dex denied everything to Dante. So Joss rushes out. To what? Talk to Dex? Like, stop. (laughs) And oh my god, Cameron had no idea about any of this mess. Like the whole Sunny holding Dex in the freezer thing. Like Cameron had no idea. So Michael fills him in. And together they're like, let's keep Jocelyn far away from this. The last thing a girl like Jocelyn wants is two dudes telling her what she has to do. She is Carly's daughter. Could you ever tell a young Carly what to do? No, only Jason could. But Jocelyn doesn't really have a Jason. You could argue that Cameron would be her Jason because they've known each other forever and now they're romantically involved. But Jocelyn's gonna do what Jocelyn's gonna do in which she did show up back at Dex's. He tells her that he's a soldier for hire. He just wants opportunities for power and money. (laughs) Like Jocelyn was really going to fall for that. But she tells him, you know what? After years of being with my mother, Sonny finally turned his back on her. What makes you think he won't do the same to you? She storms out of there. (laughs) And this is when Cameron sent her a text, meet me ASAP. And listen, I want Cameron to be mad at Jocelyn, But I also know if he's mad at her, she's going to go right to Dex. So I don't know what Cam's going to do, but I'm excited to see. The last thing we see of Dex is him getting a phone call from Sunny to meet and discuss Dex's future. From here, I'm going to branch off into Ava. She's getting checked out by Portia at GH. They talk about closing the Jerome Gallery But is it closing permanently or is it just until the person is caught? Ava's kind of unclear on that. She then tells Portia that Curtis is really the one who put together the fellowship for Trina and Portia's face. (laughs) Like, she is so guilty. So she tells Ava, please take care of yourself. Oh, and by the way, leave Nicholas and never look back. (laughs) I loved it. So Portia walks Ava out to the elevators and nurse Amy tells them that Oz was attacked again, this time killed. 
Ava goes off and Portia leaves as well. Ava gets to Kelly's where she's meeting Trina. Trina is worried about Ava, but Ava says, I'm going to live my life. Tell me about Rory. (laughs) So Trina tells her she's not quite ready for an overnight with him because she has a feeling something horrible is going to happen. Ava says it's all Trina's decision, but sometimes you have to take a leap. So then Trina just decides, okay, I'm ready. Ugh, I don't like that. (laughs) Then Ava goes to meet Sunny and they talk about Michael. And what was interesting is that Ava says to just stop, let Michael go for now, wait till he gets over it, and then it'll be what it be. But he's trying to actively take Sunny down, so he can't let it be what it be. (laughs) So then she says, I'm going to go now. And he says, oh, to Nina's, right? And she's like, well, and he goes, you moving out? And then she just looks at him and he goes, no. You're not going to Windermere. Why? Why? (laughs) And I just thought that was really funny. Across town at the PCPD, Curtis was invited to Jordan's office to talk about the divorce papers. There you go, Curtis. You got the receipts. Now, all of a sudden, he wants to say, oh, I trust that you filed them. I trust that you did it. Just let it go, Curtis. Who cares? You're going to be divorced before you get remarried, so why does it matter now? You don't need to know the circumstances that led to Jordan to forget, quote unquote. And Jordan, why are you saying you would have fought for your marriage now? Again, who cares? We're moving onward and upward. But this is when Jordan gets the call about the attack. Portia then bursts in, and she's the one who links the victims to Trina, and they even theorize Brando was a miss to get Joss. I'm glad they're putting this together. It gives them more to work with. So Oz Haggerty's body is found as Esme watches and lurks at the crime scene like an idiot. Isn't the first rule of murder to get as far away as you can, as quick as you can? (laughs) So she decides to go to Windermere. And uh, I'm wondering if they put up cameras yet. Do they have cameras around the perimeter at least? I mean, I guess not if none of them caught Esme falling over the parapet. Uh, So Esme gets to Windermere and she's upset that the doors are locked. Do you think they're taking any chances? Well, I guess they're taking a few if they don't have cameras. (laughs) During this, Victor and Nicholas are at Windermere where Victor is taunting him about divorcing Ava. Victor thinks that Esme is at the bottom of the harbor. So Nicholas decides not to tell Victor about the recording of him confessing to murdering Esme. So Victor continues to yell at Nicholas. Nick fights back with, you've never been in love. (laughs) And then Ava shows up to tell him about the attack and to, quote, grab some clothes. She kind of gives Nicholas this look like she just wanted to see him. I don't know. It was interesting. So Victor wants to follow Ava to Nina's. She tries to decline this, but he goes anyway from what it looked like. When they leave, Esme sneaks in. She gets into the family safe and Nicholas comes in the room. I can't believe he caught her. Like, I just, so quickly too. But also, I want to point out, on soaps, there's always time to talk to each other. (laughs) I would have not asked her why she was there. I would have tried to wrestle her down and call the police. Nicholas tries to call the cops, but Esme claims she's pregnant now, calls it her get-out-of-jail-free card. (laughs) Nicholas heads straight to the bottle and says, this kid's already doomed with a murderer for a mother. (laughs) Like, it was pure soap magic. 
I'm assuming this pregnancy is fake. If it's real, I, I don't even know. Like, do we need a baby Cassidine? It would be interesting to have another descendant from Mikos, but still, no. I'm gonna say no for me. Esme then declares she's not going to jail and Nicholas is gonna help her. Hire the best attorneys in town. Like, well, please, let's just get Victor involved. Let him cut this off at the bud, you know? She continues to taunt Nicholas about Spencer being in Pettenville and then threatens to tell Ava about the baby as if Ava wouldn't find out about that somehow anyway. Uh, but she says to Nicholas, Ava won't forgive you. This will be the one thing she won't be able to forgive. And is Nicholas really falling for this? I thought he was at first. The look on his face, I was like, dude, no, no, please no. <laughs> so he walks her to the storage wing of Windermere Castle and tells her this is where you'll stay until we can work something out. And he ends up locking her in there. I've been waiting for Nicholas to do something like this. I really hope he's just on his way to get Victor. I really do. Back at the PCPD, Robert walks into his office with Anna waiting for him. So apparently, Victor is so feared that Anna can't use any contacts from the WSB. So she asks if Robert can drum up a warrant. And Robert says, hmm, and with the taxpayer money too. <laughs> Anna says she's running out of time. And then the deputy mayor walks in. She suggests that Robert is using resources for WSB business. And he tells her that she is abusing her powers while Laura is away. Robert tries to call Anna to tell her that he cannot procure a warrant to get Johan in for questioning, but she's not picking up. Victor ends up at his hotel room at the Metro Court, and Lucy shows up crying with flowers about Brando's funeral and how she forgot to deliver these flowers. So that's how she got Johan out of the room. Pretty quick thinking for Lucy. But since Robert can't get him arrested or questioned, he's not going to be gone as long as they want. Nina, on Valentine's ask, gives the call to have Vic moved to a different suite in the hotel. Lucy flirts with Victor by telling him that him having plans makes her feel safe. And while getting closer, his room phone rings, and it's the fake deputy mayor. Lucy listens in on the other phone in the other room, and she hears that the deputy mayor works for Victor. Finally. I was wondering how long that secret was going to go on. After Lucy leaves, Victor checks the other room and sees that there's strawberry lipstick on the phone that Lucy mentioned she was wearing earlier. Girl, don't you wipe the phone? Isn't that also one of the first rules? If you touch something, wipe it down. <laughs> Meanwhile, Anna and Valentine are in the park listening to Lucy and Victor's whole conversation they just had. Lucy follows up with them and tells them Victor was talking to the deputy mayor. And Anna says, great, but now you're done. Valentine agrees with her and Lucy gets upset by this. Vanna then decide that they have to go talk to the deputy mayor, but I'm sure that won't go anywhere seeing as her contact is Victor. The next day, Anna calls Lucy and Lucy says she will handle Victor her own way and kind of hangs up on her. Anna then calls Robert over and tells him about the deputy mayor, and Robert says Victor is a menace to the public and he's all on board to help. Robert reminds Anna Valentine has double-crossed every partner he's ever had, and Anna says, well, you don't have all the facts. Robert says, well, you never tell me all the facts. And Anna says, well, can you at least trust me? So Robert says, 
Fine. And now they're trying to figure out if the deputy mayor has been with Victor the whole time or if he just brought her in. Robert brings up the good old days of WSB missions, and he brings up Stavros, Mikos, and Helena, which reminded me, can we watch the rest of that recording? No one's ever seen it. The conversation turns, and Anna wants Robert to start dating. Like, leave the man alone. (laughs) Uh, Holly's coming back, so perfect. Robert can get back with Holly. So now Victor's new plan is to give Lucy a piece of jewelry with a bug in it. Johan wanted to kill Lucy, I think, but Victor says, no, I will punish her how I see fit. He then goes to deception and gives Lucy the necklace, and Martin, finally, Martin Gray arrives, just in time. I literally screamed when I heard his voice, just so excited to have him back. And Martin's like, what, is, what exactly is going on here? I mean, you can't play with Martin Gray. Lucy trips over her words and it sounds very shady. Victor finally leaves and Lucy spills most of the tea, but Martin's very confused. So Martin tells us that Anna called him to come home right away. Lucy gets upset by this, so she goes to track down Anna. Victor's back at his room listening to the necklace device and he hears Lucy arrive at Anna's and hears their conversation. Is someone about to get captured? Taking a break from Port Charles, Carly is walking into a guild meeting with Drew, and Honeycut Buzzkill walks in. Carly claims she's talked to other families, and they also had no idea that their loved one's graves were being moved until someone showed up at their door with cash. Why wouldn't you bring one of those people with you? Or bring as many supporters as you could? I think it would have swayed things. But she does give an okay speech. There is no vote on this, so it's just up to the members of this beautification guild. When Carly gets back to the hotel, Bobby is there. I'm so excited. Bobby and Carly in Florida, I really like it. So we find out that Michael fixed her phone to have like Google alerts on Carly. Love it. More Carly and Bobby scenes. She's great. Bobby says she's grateful for their relationship and grateful to Virginia Benson for raising Carly when she couldn't. They discuss the slam piece, and I was thinking, are we forgetting that Reese Marshall came back from the dead to Port Charles in 2005? Are we acting like that didn't happen? Didn't she even hook up with Sonny, and that's what led Carly to go to Shady Brook until Laura Wright took over the role as Carly? That's a little unclear to me. So the conversation turns about Drew, and apparently Aurora needs help, so that's where Drew is right now in his hotel room on the phone with Aurora people. I I guess maybe the lack of merger took some advertising money with it. Bobby says Carly has her confidence back and there's a sparkle in her eye. Bobby also goes to check in her room, but when she leaves, Honeycut Buzzkill walks in. Unfortunately, Carly has failed. Bummer, man. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I mean, it was a very small storyline, and I think it was just supposed to be like a catapult to something else, but what now? Is Carly going to join the Beautification Guild in Port Charles? (laughs) I don't know. I guess we'll just have to see. Back in Port Charles, we see Dante walking in Kelly's. He sees Cody there, so Dante updates him on the Port Charles hook. They also talk about Brit and if Mac is still on Cody's tail. Dante gets a call, so he has to go. 
but I thought this scene was too awkward for him to go. <laughs> they're trying to hold on to their past friendship, and I think they're both starting to realize they don't know each other as adults. Sam and Spinelli are at GH visiting Diane, and Spinelli is upset that he's made Sam an accessory after the fact to his online dating profile hacking. Sam tells him that she's going to confront Cody about blackmailing him, and she still ends up calling Cody a good guy. Girl, you're losing your instincts. It's so clear Cody is up to no good. So Sam sits down with Cody over at Kelly's and says, blackmailing my friend Spinelli is a huge mistake. Cody tries to make Spinelli the bad guy in this situation. I, I don't think so. <laughs> like, Spinelli cannot do any wrong right now, okay? <laughs> So we get confirmation from Cody's daydream that he is interested in the goings-on of Cesar Faison. Cody then thanks Sam for not telling Dante about the blackmail and leverages Spinelli's freedom for her not to tell. Wow. Just wow. I hope she doesn't miss that threat there. She tries to send a threat of her own saying, if you hurt Spinelli, you will wish you were never born. But I don't think Sam's very threatening. Maxie goes to GH to talk to Britt about Cody and tells her that Cody may be Max's son. Britt admits that she still has Peter's effects and Maxie says Peter's existence was meaningless. <laughs> I thought that was great. They talk more about dating and Spinelli walks into their conversation and it gets so weird. Um, Britt walks away and he asks Maxie to let Britt know that he's over his crush slash fake crush on her. They talk about Georgie and Spinelli, I guess, is babysitting uh, for Maxie on a Saturday night because she's going to the symphony with Austin. Their conversation pretty much leads into Maxie wanting Spinelli to start dating again, not knowing that he's secretly pining for her. Dante then walks into GH and asks Britt if he can visit Diane. She says yes and asks about Cody. Dante is short with her, so she asks what his problem is. I mean, girl, you stole his baby. <laughs> like, come on. So he basically says, I'll be civil, but I don't know that you've changed. I think this was a very humbling moment for her. But I also think Dante is under a lot more stress than he's letting on. He's got his dad fighting with his brother while he knows his dad does illegal things. And there's also a serial killer on the loose, to which the only clue is that it may be a woman plus the home stress of having three kids. We still don't know what Victor's plans are or when they would be taking place. He's getting tired of distractions. I wouldn't be surprised if he starts locking people in Windermere along with Esme. <laughs> We're still waiting for Laura to come home and really help sort all this out. But for now, I'll be safe at 66 Harborview Road. You can find me on TikTok at 66 underscore Harborview Road. Twitter at 66 underscore view and Instagram at 66 Harborview Road. From the Quartermain foyer, I bid you a great week.